Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you would join me this evening in the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse number 9 and 10, I would like for us to pray um, for our young people, our youth. They will be leaving tomorrow. They're out actually in the annex tonight having their youth service. Well, let's pray for them. They will be going uh, down to Orlando to our holiday youth convention. And they have a good number of young people that are going to be going down down there. So let's pray and ask the Lord to touch them and, and strengthen them and solidify some things in their heart. Our young people were incredibly touched during youth camp this summer. I don't think it was just a feel-good moment, but I think that the Lord established some things in their heart, and this would be a great time to just let those under, those things be underlined and um, countersunk in their hearts. So let's pray for them. If you have your Bibles, again, the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse number 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I think it's important to understand why they were going. Amen. They weren't, this wasn't a business trip, this wasn't a vacation, but they were going to preach specifically the gospel. If you will drop down to verse number 13, the Bible says, And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by the riverside, where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And tonight I just want to simply speak from this subject, the call. I'm glad there is a call that goes forth, and I'm glad people still hear and heed that call. Amen. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Paul had chosen Silas as his ministry partner and is beginning now what we know as his second missionary journey. I have, just for the sake of time, excluded a little bit of reading, but if you were to back up a little bit in this chapter, uh, specifically you could read verses 6 and 7 and uh, see that Paul and, uh, and Silas had intended to go to some other places. Um, I'm not exactly sure what may have drawn them or even had those specific geographic places on their radar. But when they were compelled in their heart to do one place, the Bible says that they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. 
And when they considered yet another place, the Scripture says that the Spirit suffered them not. So it's clear that uh, in their heart they desired to do one thing, and the Spirit of God stopped that. But they were still sensitive to the Spirit of God. Even though the Lord has consecutively said no to a desire or a wish in their heart, they were still yet sensitive to His Spirit. And I think that's uh, worth noting that we should certainly do that. When the Lord is saying no, He may not be saying no. He may just be saying not now or not there. Amen. And so to be sensitive still to the presence of the Lord. And so uh, they tried to go south, but the Lord said no. And uh, they tried to go north, the same response essentially. And uh, I consider that and I think about the words of the psalmist David in chapter 37 and verse 23 where David pins these words, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I think that not only can apply to us personally, and uh, but I think it can apply to every aspect of our life. I think there are so many ways that God orders our steps. I think God orders the steps of our Sell of our lives individually. He orders the steps of our family. I think God can order the steps of our finance. I think God can order the steps of uh, particular moves that we make in our life, whether that's business decisions or certainly God can order our steps as far as uh, companionship and things of that nature. I, I just pray that God would always order my steps. The scripture says, order my steps in your word. And so that's what I want, not just uh, not just me on my own, but let the steps of God order me and order me according to His Word. I also like what one minister said. He said, not only does the, does the Scripture say that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, but he said, sometimes the stops of a good man are ordered of the Lord. The Lord says, stop, and we have to stop, and we have to pause in our journey with Him. And so sometimes... The Lord closes a door or puts up some sort of roadblock. And now, I, I don't think that's necessarily an audible voice. Most of the time, it's just an, an impression that you just feel something is just not right. I, I often say, especially, I would say this for me personally, that if something's not right, then I just feel for me there's a lack of peace that's going on along with that. And so that's what I search for many times in praying for the will of God. I may not ever be comfortable with the overall scheme of things because of my personal makeup, but I'm praying for that peace of God that would touch me and lead me uh, to do what would be right or what is conducive. And so so sometimes God uses does use outward circumstances perhaps to block a door or to close something specifically. And so in those times we can't get discouraged and we have to tra- remain faithful to the voice of God, the word and the will of God. Amen. At the same time, we certainly don't want to kick any doors open. I'm very sensitive about that. I don't want to pry something open and, and uh, circumvent the will of God for my life. So many, many times that sort of leaves us in a vulnerable position. And I think there are many of us that have been there. Amen. But I just say, let the Lord uh, lead me and guide me every day. And I want to be sensitive to His Spirit. I'm afraid sometimes that if we just insist on our will, that God will just acquiesce to that and let us have our will. And it may not be anything like what we thought it was going to be. And so I need to know the the difference. I need to know when the Spirit of God is blocking something. And I think this is a, 
something, a conundrum that we face from time to time to know whether or not that the Spirit of the Lord is blocking something in our life or if the enemy is trying to block something in our life. And so I, I need to be sensitive to the presence of the Lord and, and uh, sensitive to His voice. And that's not always an easy thing to determine. I mentioned just a couple of services ago that Satan himself can present himself as an angel of light. And so we have to be very careful to weigh things out in a large scale, especially if it's going to affect our lives. I gotta be sensitive to the voice of God. Things that, that seem to be enticing, things that seem to be packaged as in a blessing of the Lord. If we weigh that just on its own merit, it may be, uh, in appearance at least just that, a huge blessing. But oftentimes if we contrast what we think is a blessing against the word of God or the will of God, we may see that it's not God's will at all. I don't believe that the Lord's going to promote us to a, to something, in other words, in life that would, that would, that would take us away from the house of God or cause us to be unfaithful to his house or unfaithful in prayer. That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be the will of God and so he's not going to allow that to come in our life. I'm not just talking about faithfulness to uh, to regular scheduled services, but I think that we have to be faithful in every aspect of the ministry of the church to be available for that thing. Amen? I want the Lord to be able to use me. I want there to be enough room in my life for me to make sure there's room for the Lord to speak and the Lord to use me. And so I need to be free enough to participate in those sort of things. Amen? I... I just like you, sometimes we get disappointed when certain doors don't open when we think they should or doors that we thought they should. Uh, but I've said many times that God may not be de- delaying or denying anything. He may just have us in a moment of pause to see what we're going to do. <laughs> Amen. And so I need to know one thing. When, when God does close one door, He always opens another. Amen. God's not about just locking us down or locking us out. And so when one avenue of of something closes, the Lord has always opened another door. And so we have to be confident of that one thing. And so that's exactly what we see unfolding in our text in the life of the Apostle Paul and Silas in Acts 16. When they thought to go here, the Lord forbid them. When they thought we'll go there, the Lord said no. But in that moment, in that season of Paul's, amen, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to Paul and appeared to him. It would be one thing to have this great experience, uh, the Macedonian call as we have known it in Scripture. But just think about what would have happened if Paul had only had this experience and not obeyed this experience. It would be a great testimony. It would be a Wonderful story to be able to share with people around him as he went from town to town. But what if he had not moved upon that and acted upon that? I'm, I'm going to tell you that we are where we are today, literally and spiritually, because people didn't just hear from the Lord, but they acted upon what God had spoken into their lives. And so I, I pray often for God not only to let me have an ear that will hear but then give me the courage to step out. And I'm going to tell you that those two things live in different zip codes. (laughs) We can hear from the the voice of God and utterly lack the boldness or the confidence to step out into what God has called us to do. And so I pray, Lord, help me to somehow pull these two worlds together that when we hear your voice, we will obey that. Amen. I'm glad Paul had the vision but I am more than that glad that he answered the call because there is a difference between having the vision or having a call and answering that call. 
Many people have had a vision. Many people have had a vision to do something and even a call of God upon their lives to do something but refused or failed to answer that call. Many years ago, I remember speaking with a man who was at the very end of his life and as he spoke to me about some of the regrets of his life, his greatest regret, he said, as I felt called to the ministry my whole life and my whole life I have ran from that call. And I thought, what a... What a terrible thing for this man to have to reconcile with all of this now at the end of his life. But then, and I don't mean to sound crass, but I just begin to think about all the lives that could have been touched and changed had he obeyed and answered that call. Now, we serve a fair God and a loving God that I'm sure that, that somehow or another God works around those that fail. But think about fail to answer his call, but just think about what could have happened in this man's life had he just had the courage to step out and obey the voice of God. Amen. So the calls that are going forth today, the Spirit of God that is beckoning for us, the question remains for us is what are we doing with that and are we answering that call? There's a spiritual void in all of us and so we have to have only the Spirit of God to fill that void. Nothing else, absolutely nothing else will ever fill that. I... I, uh, I've said through the years that I believe that there are times that the Spirit of God moves on us and if we're not careful, we will mistake God's moving us to come closer to Him spiritually for just, and, and instead of moving closer to Him spiritually, we'll just create something else to busy ourselves with. Amen. The Bible says that the Lord said to Moses, there is a place by me. I want to stand and find that place by him. And when God beckons me closer, I don't want to just busy my hands and just even if I busy my, my, myself doing church things. Are you with me now? We can busy ourselves doing noble things, but if we're not answering the call of where God is trying to bring us spiritually, then we may be missing the point. And so I pray that God would help us to understand there is a, a void in our life that only His call, answering that call, can satisfy. And nothing else in the world can ever feel that. So it's, we can try, try as we may, but we will not find anything to be as gratifying it's what answering the call of God would be. If we could just catch the vision of our world today and understand uh, just where our our world, I'm, I'm, and let me just talk about America, and, and uh, certainly the rest of the world, many places in the world will fall into this category, but if we just think about where we are today, not only as a nation, but even as individuals and families that make up this nation, we would look about our world and we see people that are absolutely and utterly drowning in debt. That's the world that we live in. That's the world that we live in. People are, are just absolutely overwhelmed by despair. Things, seriously, things that are going on in their lives. This, that's, uh, there, there is so much evil and wickedness in our world. People are just drowning in the wickedness of our world. It is everywhere and it is all around us. I don't mind to tell you tonight that sometimes I feel alone in declaring against this and speaking against that. You feel that lone voice, but I'm telling you that it is everywhere we look. There is so much evil woven into every portion and portal of our world. I say, God, help us to be there. Amen. And understand there are people that are hurting and broken and lonely and we must reach them. We must reach them. Amen. These people are not un 
like the men that came to Paul in his vision. They're calling out for help. Amen. And I think that we should have a clear understanding of, of, of something right here. And that is, is that most people would fit into the categories that are described. Amen. They are deceived by the God of this world. Deceived into thinking that what we're doing is the right thing. I mentioned to you just a few weeks ago about a young couple that uh, had just ex- accepting their call into the ministry. And as this young lady began to testify, I'm talking about a young lady, a very young lady and her husband. And she said, with tears flowing down her face, she said, we did everything within our power to destroy our marriage and our family because that's what we thought we should do. That's what everybody else around us was doing. In hindsight, that was what she said. We were doing everything to destroy our marriage. We were doing everything to destroy our family. But that's what everybody around us was doing. So that's what we were doing. I'm telling you today that there are people that need us to hear the call of God upon our lives and be a real voice of clarity, a real voice of spiritual solitude, a real voice of spiritual foundation in the world that we live in. Amen. I pray that God would help us tonight to deal and understand how deceived our world is. And that's why, that's why people are so deceived and that's why they're not beating down the doors of churches. This is not sour grapes. Just stay with me for a moment. Amen. They just exchange one thing for another. When one thing doesn't work, we live in such a fluid world and in, and in such a fluid society until when, when if this doesn't work, if this doesn't make me feel like I thought it was going to make me feel, I'll just exchange it for another. I'll just trade it out. If this vehicle doesn't gratify like I thought, it, I'll just get another one. If this home doesn't scratch at it, I'll just build another one. If this relationship is not what I want, I'll just find another. If this job is not what I want, I'll just get another. That's the world that we live in. And they just run from one thing to another, to another, to another, to another. Much like the day of Noah, people didn't start even garnering any interest until the clouds started gathering. Up until then, they thought Noah had just lost his mind. Amen. But I pray that God would never help us and allow us to have the attitude that, you know, if people need us, they know where we are. God, help us to not have that attitude and that spirit. It is not their responsibility to come to us. It is the church's responsibility to go to them. Amen. I I speak tonight with a heavy heart and I tell you that it's not enough to just buy some property and build a building and put a sign in the front yard and say, well, we're here if you want us. We're here if you need us. And No, no, no. Amen. We need to pray that God would touch us. The Bible says in Luke 14 and 23, touch us afresh with this scripture, Lord. The Lord said unto his servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. It is not enough for us to just gather on Sunday and Wednesday or any other night and say we have fulfilled our obligation we have checked this off of our list and it is enough and we are well done no 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 there is a call that is going forth and that call is not necessarily God doesn't command sinners to come to the church but God commands the church to go to the world amen and Paul understood this principle He understood this principle. He didn't send letters from where he was. And to say, if you want to hear the gospel, 
And if you want to really be exposed to something, you need to get on a boat and come over here where we are. Not at all. Amen. But Paul heard the call of God and got in a boat and took the gospel to them. I read a story today, and you'll have to decide the, uh, whether or not it's, it's true. I don't know. I have no. I, tr- I tried to find out. I don't just try try to share things willy nilly. But this was at least sobering to me. A story was told of a little church in Germany located near a set of train tracks, the same train tracks that regularly carried Jews to their death. The German man telling the story said, Each Sunday morning we could hear the whistle in the distance, and when the wheels came over the tracks, we became disturbed when we heard the cries coming from the train as it passed by. Because we realized that those cars were carrying Jews like cattle. Week after week, the whistle would blow. We dreaded to hear the sound of those wheels because we knew that we would hear the cry of those people en route to a death camp. Their screams tormented us. We knew the time the train was coming, and when we heard the whistle blow, we would begin to sing hymns. By the time the train came past our church, we would be singing to the top of our voices. If we heard the screams, we just sang louder, and soon we heard them no more. Now, he says, years have passed, and No one talks about it much anymore, but I still hear that train whistle in my sleep and I can still hear them crying for help. God, forgive all of us who called ourselves Christian and yet we did nothing about it. Now you can judge the merit or the truth of that story ever how you want to do it, but I wonder if that does not parallel the church today that we see people en route to a death camp, amen, that are headed for hell at a a rapid pace, hear me, and if we're not careful, we'll just sing our own songs and and we'll just high five one another and have church to one another and preach to me and encourage me and sing to me and encourage me and for God in heaven's sake let's get it all right and don't let there be any wrinkles. I've got my friends or my cousins or my brother or my sister visiting and we want everything to be just right. Amen. I'm telling you tonight that church is not a drama. This is not a presentation but this is a call of God. This is a brand of fire from heaven above to touch our hearts to touch our lips and help us to realize that it is not just our responsibility to turn up the music or to turn up the noise of our life where we cannot hear the cries of lost men and women. But I say, Lord, help me to turn down the noise of this life. Help me to turn down the noise of this day and find a place between the porch and the altar and say, God, let the lostness of men, let the lostness of mankind touch my heart again. I want to tell you that it is the devil's pleasure to keep us so confused and so frustrated and so worn out. Amen. That is the hour in which we live. Amen. That there is a weariness that's overtaken the church. But I say in Jesus' name, let's stand and be counted and say, Oh God, amen, I'm asking you tonight to help me to clear my mind and my heart and hear the call that can only come from heaven above. Praise God. Let's clap our hands. Jesus, I love you, Lord. Praise God. And so we need a vision. And we need to hear the call. And we need to answer the call. In Acts 16 and 11, Paul and Silas did, in fact, get on a boat, cross the sea, into the promise that God had revealed I think it's worth noting in verse number 11, it mentions that they made a straight course. (laughs) 
They didn't delay, in other words. They made a straight course to where God was sending them. The first church they established was in Philippi. When they got there, in our text tonight, we found we find them coming upon a little group of women praying down by the river in verses 12 and 13. Just a little prayer meeting. Just a few ladies that are together. Some might have thought that this was so small that truly not much could come from this. Zechariah warns us to say, Who hath despised the day of small things? I'm going to tell you that anything substantial today, if you can peel back the layers, it had no doubt an humble, very, and a very humble beginning. Apparently God had heard the prayers of these little ladies. And perhaps it was this very prayer group that was responsible for Paul's vision. Now I know that in the vision of Paul there was a man from Macedonia. And I'm not here to try to untangle that. But it is the opinion of some that that could have been an angel that appeared to Paul. Amen. The angel of that particular region. Amen. That man that he saw. But when Paul got there... A man in his vision, but when he got there, he found women praying. As a matter of fact, his first convert was a lady. A lady by the name of Lydia. I read something today that intrigued me. Paul, prior to his salvation, of course, was a Pharisee. And I didn't know this, that every day when a Pharisee woke up, he would pray three things by custom. From what I understand, this is still current in many ranks. He would thank God, A, that he was not a woman. He would thank God that he was not a slave. And thank God that he was not a Gentile. Kind of sounds a little shocking to us in 2016, doesn't it? Say, thank you, Lord, that I'm not a woman. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not a slave. And I thank you that I'm not a Gentile. <laughs> I mean, guess who his first current convert was? A little Gentile lady. <laughs> God was underlining something in the life of Paul. Amen. More than Paul could ever imagine. Maybe the Lord needed to deal with a little bit of prejudice in his heart. I don't know. I don't know about that, and I don't want to. I don't want to take that too far. But nevertheless, God was highlighting something in the minds. I don't think just of Paul, but I think of many people there. Is that I'll show you, and so we we can, if we're not careful, allow that sort of same attitude to overtake us, and we may assume that some are not worth reaching, but others are. But hear me tonight: you don't ever know. What kind of diamond may come out of that piece of coal? You never know. Amen. What a tragedy that would be. What a tragedy that would be. Amen. I'm going to ask our musicians to come, but this is a little premature, so don't gather up your kids yet. Um, I want us to look in verses 14 and 15. And I want to just break down a little methodically what what happens right here. It takes just seconds to read this, but I want to take a little bit longer. And a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped the Lord, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. When she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So if you'll just hold your Bible open and just kind of keep that verse, if you'll keep those verses 
verse number 14 first on the screen. There are a few things that are apparent from these scriptures concerning this little Gentile lady named Lydia. First off, the Bible says that a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, which worshipped God. Lydia was a worshiper. Amen, a worshiper. There's something powerful released in our lives when we understand the power of true worship. Amen. I don't want to take the next three hours, but it would be worth the next three hours to just talk about worship. Because worship is different than praise. They both have their place. But as often we've heard, you can praise God with sin in your life, but you can't worship God with sin in your life. We can praise the Lord, how great you are. We can sing all of our praise songs unto the Lord. But you see, worship is about relationship. Not praying and praising God for what He has done, but for who He is. It is about relationship. And so we understand the power of worship. We talk about praise and worship and and certainly they go hand in hand, but I think our praise should lead us to worship. Amen. Our our praise, I know that when we start our services, generally we start our services with a song of praise. And so we're praising the Lord. And you know what? We've just kind of walked in out of the weather from all sorts of things, have no idea. One has no idea generally what the other person has been through. And so if we're not careful and if we're honest, the first few lines of that song, we're just kind of going with the program. We're reading them off the screen. We're reciting them from memory. And you know what? We could be singing a song about how great the Lord is and be thinking about, I wonder if I sharpen those lawnmower blades. That's right. I wonder if I left the iron on. I wonder if we did. And you could be singing all this with your lips. And just a few more amens would make me not feel nearly as carnal as I'm feeling right now. <laughs> We can just be singing along and our mind's a million miles away. And I have found myself there and just like, it's like I feel so dirty. Like, oh my Lord, I was singing something with my lips, but my mind was so, we're so far away and, and I got to pull that. I got to bring into captivity of those thoughts and I got to pull them back down and funnel them back down because I don't want it to just end with praise. I want to worship the Lord. Amen. Her attitude of worship opened her up for a blessing. The Bible says that she worshiped God and then and then those just those two words which worship God, and then those two words that followed it, that followed that says the seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worship God, heard us. She heard us. Amen. Think about that for just a moment. Amen. She was worshiping the Lord. Amen. She was a worshiper, and then she heard us. She had a hearing ear to hear what Paul and Silas were saying. The Bible speaks to her heart and the fact that she heard implying that she was prepared to receive this word. She didn't just show up to be counted, but she came with a heart to receive the word. Her heart was fertile soil. 
She was ready for the preaching of the Word of God. Amen. I think it uh, shouldn't be lost to us that we have church in an intentional pattern. We have prayer and worship, our praise and worship, and, and that is to position us and help us to be prepared for the Word of God. Why? Because you don't want to just, you don't want to just cast the word out there on a heart and soil that is not prepared because the Bible says in the parable of the sower that if the, if that, if that seed goes to the ground and it's just left there that the enemy will come steal that away. It would be his pleasure to rob this service from your heart and mind tonight. It would be his pleasure. She was ready. Amen. And so I don't want to just come to attend church, but I want to come determined to hear the word of God. Now, the, the scripture in the very very beginning there describes her as a seller of purple. That, that's pretty significant because only royalty could wear purple. And so, uh, please don't ever envision Lydia as just some poor little handmaid because uh, this was a very high-end deal, if you want to put it in some common terms. The purple dye came from shellfish. According to one historian, he said 10,000 shellfish, If you, it would take 10,000 shellfish to only produce one gram of dye. And that would only be enough dye to dye the hem of a garment. <laughs> he went on to say that one pound of the purple dye, and I just did this to make it current to our our currency today, that it would be worth approximately $50,000, just just one pound. And so my point is simple, and that is that Lydia was a woman of means. She would have had prestige, or she would have had influence, and yet she still heard the message. She didn't need that because Lydia was self-sustaining. But she had a tenderness and an openness in her heart and so she heard the word of God. And something that we all have to understand this evening is this, is that things in life which really matter, the, the things in life which really matter are things that cannot be bought. The things that really matter. They don't have a price tag on them. They cannot, they cannot be bought. This list is not original to me, but it's worth time for me to read this. Money can buy a house, but not a home. Money can buy a bed, but not sleep. Money can buy a clock, but not time. It can buy a book, but not brains. It can buy food, but not an appetite. Position, but not respect. It can buy medicine, but not health. Buy people, but not friends. It can buy insurance, but not safety. It can buy amusements, but not make happy. Money can buy religion, but not salvation. Money can buy a good life, but not eternal life. Money can buy a crucifix, but not a savior. Money can buy a passport to anywhere in the world, but heaven. Amen. We need God. It didn't matter how much she had according to this world's goods. She came worshiping. She came with an open heart. She came with a listening ear. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together, can we? She had an open heart. The Bible said, whose heart the Lord opened. You know, if you've ever tried to witness to somebody that wasn't open to hearing you, my goodness, what a, what a brick wall that is. But the Bible says the Lord had opened her heart. I think things in that, her life preceding that had 
led to her being in a position for the Lord to open her heart. Amen. I want to open the Word of God, but it takes God to open the heart of man. Amen. Then the Bible says that she put her faith into action, or right here we see that she attended unto the things which were spoken to Paul. She didn't just hear it and say, well, that was a nice sermon. Enjoyed your message, preacher. But she walked away and she purposed, she intended to the things. She recognized her needs. She did something about it. Many people don't do that. Amen. I pray that God would help us tonight to hear the word of God and do something about it. The scripture finally, lastly, says that if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide here. Or in other words, she got involved in the ministry of Paul and Silas. She opened the scriptures, or Paul opened the scriptures, but... God opened her heart and then she opened her house and and now there is a church established. So here's what happens. If we'll open the scripture and somebody will open their heart, there's no telling what God can do. No telling. Amen. So I ask you today, Lord, help us. Amen. (laughs) There's going to be names written down in glory. Because Paul and Silas got on a ship and obeyed the voice of God. And they found people there that would receive their word. And so I ask you tonight to let this word settle in your heart. Would you do that? Amen. Let's ask God to touch us. Maybe you thought of someone tonight during this service that you could talk to maybe just one more time about the Lord. Amen. Let me just say one more time. Amen. God loves you. Let me just say one more time, perhaps it's someone that you've never witnessed to. What an opportunity, amen, to just open your mouth, our mouths together, amen, and let's let the Word of God speak to them in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord. Can we sing this song? Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.